Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our our good friend, coach, mentor, tormentor, John Opaluski. How are you today, John? Jim, I'm doing well. It's good to see you. Uh, it's good to have you back hosting the podcast again. Yeah, it, I had a great time. Mackinac Island, the only place in the world where you, you eat lots of fudge and try not to step in it, is Mackinac Island, Michigan. It's a wonderful place. We enjoyed it. We have a guest with us today, and uh, we have him for a very specific reason. Why don't you introduce him? Uh, today, we have uh, Pastor Steve Zarilli with us. Steve is the executive pastor at Woodside Bible Church in, in Troy, Michigan. And uh, I'm just getting to know Steve, actually. We've met a few times, talked a few times, and um, wanted him to come and talk with us about this subject, Jim, of creating a structure for health among your staff. And um, uh, I, I just think the intentionality of, of uh, what Woodside Bible Church is doing in this area and Steve's involvement in it would be, will be of great interest to our, uh, our listeners today. Right so on. Steve, welcome to the podcast. We're glad to have you. Yeah, great to be with you guys. Thank you so much for having me, John and Jim. Mm. So, so T, Steve, um, tell us a bit about your story, you know, uh, your faith journey maybe for a little bit and your call to pastoral ministry. Yeah, sure will. I uh, had the opportunity to grow up in the great state of Ohio. So for all the Michigan listeners, uh, I am from the Buckeye State. And maybe that means you're going to just shut off the podcast. Cause... Well, thanks for joining us today. With, uh, from <laughs> There's no good thing that could come out of there, right? <laughs> so yeah, I grew up in Akron, Ohio is uh, my hometown and went to a church called The Chapel uh, that was a fairly well-known uh, church in that area, right in the middle of the urban center of the city. And really, it was through my parents and, and my upbringing that I learned about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was probably 10 years old or thereabouts when I have a specific memory of going into my backyard at the time. And I was one of those stories where I just doubted salvation. I doubted the fact that that my continued sin wouldn't separate me from God. And as a child, just processing those things, uh, I remember around 10 years old, I, I started to settle that in my mind and truly understand that Christ's sacrifice and his atonement for my sin, of course, not understanding all the words, but the concepts, that that is something that covered my life from front to back and that my faith was secure in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so when I was 10 years old, I, I consider that certainly the time that I understood the gospel to full uh, conversion of faith and placed my faith alone in Christ for my salvation. It was several years later, uh, going to a Christian high school called Kaga Valley Christian Academy, that I started going on mission trips, actually. And that, for me, was a major, major uh, movemental part of my story. Uh, my family at that time had basically dropped out of church, so we were not really engaged. And so my Christian education became a primary place or environment where I was continuing to, to develop in my, in my faith walk. And so while I was there, I went on a missions trip to the Dominican Republic. And while I think I was a fourth year student in Spanish at the time, and 
finishing up high school and doing those types of things. And so while I was down there, uh, I, I led the first person in my life to faith in Christ in Spanish. And it was just one of those moments where you just, you're like hooked. <laughs> There's not a greater joy or a greater experience that I had ever felt in my life than praying with a new uh, believer in Jesus and seeing the joy of salvation just sweep over them through the Holy Spirit. And so it was during that trip as well. It was actually the day prior to that uh, leading that child to, to faith in Christ that I was baptized. And wow. uh, I was baptized in a river a uh, few, you know, yards up up river from some families that were washing their clothes and just with the the team that was there at the orphanage that we were building and it was that next day when i chatted with that boy named julio cesa uh who came to faith it was later in life in college back on the mission field at, again i was at a, a university called cedarville university in southern ohio uh, i was actually a pre-med student but i was uh kind of randomly as a soccer player, I was doing missions trips and soccer camps in Durban, South Africa. And that was the first time that I started preaching. And I was preaching to some of the church plants in Durban. And after my first sermon, I remember uh, an older woman came up to me and said, you know, I don't know if your calling from the Lord is truly into the medical field, healing people physically. I think the calling from the Lord on your life might be to help heal them through the spirit spiritually and to use preaching and teaching to do so and shepherding. And that just stuck with me. And that looking back became a massive turning point in my life where I was called into vocational ministry. I finished my biology degree, but then started ministry uh, at Woodside actually two days after graduating from college. Wow. Uh, that was over 18 years ago now. So I've been here a while. And then I started my seminary journey after that. Wow. So you, you've been at Woodside for 18 years now? 18 years. Yeah. June was 18 years. Yep. Okay. You know where people are listening to this podcast, so they can't see you, but you don't look like you could be a, you know, out of college for 18 years. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, but uh, it depends who you talk to. There's there's several people, even last week, uh, somebody looked at a picture of my wife and I and thought I was her father, so. Yes, um, been there. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, our wives love that, don't they? They do, and yeah. they never let you live it down either. Yeah, that happened at a drive through window at McDonald's. I was making fun of the kid, and she looked at my wife and said, your dad is so funny. And my <laughs> wife said, isn't he hilarious? And just, just let it go, didn't correct him. Yeah, right. terrible, right. terrible. So you, you come up with, with a, an intentional structure um, to really care for the, the emotional health of the staff at Woodside. How, how many people are on staff at Woodside? Woodside has 14 locations. So we're a multi-site church in Southeast Michigan and staff members are currently around 230, 240. Okay. And, and I assume this became a priority because either the collection of stories or a specific story what what events led up to the idea of building an intentional structure you know for the health of your staff yes so there there's several factors uh, there's many of course there's no church that i've ever met that says we want to have an unhealthy church culture or a staff yeah. culture i mean nobody ever says that nobody sets out for that nobody wakes up in the morning and says yeah i don't want our staff culture to be healthy mm. um everybody either makes the assumption or is in even subconsciously or consciously trying to do things to uh, create a positive environment and one that would model for their church family what spiritual transformation community and growth look like. 
However, there's always factors that come into play uh, within Woodside's story and with our particular within our particular church. Uh, a lot of this, yeah, might have been even connected to my story. Um, and so I'll start there, where I've done a lot of different roles here. I've been in student ministry and leadership development. I was a, one of our lead pastors at one of our campuses for five years, and then I've been in this present role of overseeing our campuses, our preaching, and our campus pastors for the last three years. And when, when I look back, especially on my time as a campus pastor, really our, within our structure, that's kind of like our lead pastor, our senior pastor role for that particular site. That is, I went through a season probably about seven years ago now where I, I truly went through burnout and there's just no way around it. I had some medical issues happen in my life. I had some familial issues happen in my life with extended family. There was some interpersonal dynamics happening within the church itself. And all of it created this, this, this stew or this soup of a perfect storm where anxiety started going through the roof. My energy level started dropping. My capacity started dropping. And I ended up taking a course. I was working through doctoral courses at the time at Western Seminary out in Portland, Oregon. And I took a course called The Imperfect Pastor, a book written by Zach Eswine. It's a phenomenal read. Every single pastor that I hire, I ask to read that book now. And I was taking uh, that course with Zach, and he was sharing his story that had his own version of a burnout. And God just revealed to me that that's exactly where I was. And we did not have the rhythms or the patterns or the mentoring or the coaching or the consistency within our staff culture to help us identify and do a better job of preventing that type of a pattern within our team. And so what I did while I was in Portland, I actually called our, our HR director at the time and we wrote a sabbatical policy uh, that very same week while I was there. And to be honest with you, it didn't get implemented until this year. <laughs> so, oh. you know, we, we've had it for years, but I would say even when it comes to this topic, we're still very much in process and we're just now getting to that place of actually allowing, enabling, empowering people to take the particular rhythms and, and patterns that they need to in life to get to healthy places and maintain that spiritual health as well. So birthed out of personal story, birthed out of a large organization moving pretty quickly, uh, birthed out of, you know, a culture that certainly has its stories of ups and downs and, and staff members who have struggled over the years. So Steve, it's very interesting that you, you said that you've had, you had kind of the plan in place for, I think you said a couple of years and, and then it's just been implemented really in the last year. So it's, this is a three year span, right? It, and I want to go a little bit off topic here, but it's related. Why do you think it took so long to get from conception, you know, the conceiving of this plan and then the actual implementation of it? What, what, what are some barriers you think that maybe got in the way? I think, I think in church ministry, we make a lot of assumptions. We make a lot of assumptions mm -hmm. about our cultures. And so we, we don't want our culture within our church family to be presented, whether you're at a large church, small church, or anything in between, you want to demonstrate for those within your church family, within your congregation, that, that you are stewarding and working hard on their behalf because you know that you're supported by them. 
right? right. It's a not profit. It's you want to lead well, you want to model that well. And sometimes that can move us into a cycle where we want to place ourselves into a position saying we're no different than the secular environment. We should have the same kinds of work rhythms or otherwise so we can demonstrate that good testimony with those within our church family. And yet we do need to bring out that there are distinctions and we do need to recognize that our culture is not healthy when it comes to workaholism, Mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, individualism, when it comes to these things that can actually lead us down a a path of crashing, spiritual crash. And so imitating those environments and those rhythms is certainly not a healthy thing to do, but yet sometimes there's those internal pressures that might uh, subconsciously even tell us this is what we ought to do because this is what people are expecting of us. And so some of that was present, I would say, within our context. Some of it is as we've gone through various leadership transitions, people just bring different hearts to their position. And so one of the things that I really felt a burden for when I stepped away from leading a campus to leading the campuses and helping try to develop this culture across our organization was Within church, I think there's a lot of elements that corporate USA can help us and we can learn from that might help us enhance ministry, but corporate principles should never lead ministry. Mm, That's so good. They should not lead the culture. They should supplement the culture. So if there's a leadership principle, if there is a a a proper accounting of things, if there is a best practice that we could use to inform our paradigms of ministry, then those things are all helpful, but those should never become uh, the actual uh, what's leading the culture. To use the expression, that shouldn't, you know, that shouldn't be the tail that wags the dog. So um, what really needs to lead the culture, and this is something I felt like I ought to bring into this role, it's one of the main motivations as to why I took it, was that spiritual family and brotherhood and sisterhood in Christ needs to lead the culture and then those corporate principles enhance the culture. So how do we function then as brothers and sisters, not as managers and direct reports and bosses and employees? If we start looking at one another as spiritual family, brother, sister, I'm responsible for your spiritual vitality. How does that begin then to change our relationships with one another? Wow. I mean, you, you said so much there that my head is actually spinning. I mean, this is so good. Um, it, it is different. The corporate world and the, and the vocational ministry, pastoral ministry world is different. I've been in both, I, I, 16 years in pastoral ministry, 20 in the corporate world. And, and while there is, a, there is a, a pace in the corporate world that can really get unhealthy, I found it, Steve, so much easier to separate from my job in the corporate world than I did from my role as a pastor. I, I felt like in the corporate world, if I had to make a, a hard decision that it was much, there was much less collateral damage right. that would happen because the expectation of, of people at work was if you don't perform, um, you're either going to get reassigned or you're going to be let go. And when that would happen, there was very little gossip about it at all. But you take this into a church setting and, and those same hard conversations and tough decisions require a pastoral flair, I think, that comes with that. and and. And so when we're comparing the two, it's, it, they're not comparable. They're apples and oranges in terms of the amount of 
stress and drain that can come to you as a, as a pastor. And I've, I've done both. Uh, the hardest job I've ever had in my life was being a lead pastor by a mile. Right. And uh, so I just really appreciate you bringing that up. Jim, did you have a thought on that too, or something you wanted no, to follow I, up on? I, I did. Uh, you had mentioned a couple of things kind of in passing. You talked about um, sabbatical. You talked, you used the word rhythms, which we like to use. If you could say these are kind of the, the pillars yes. of, our, of, our, of our thought, what are the things that, that you're really most dialed into? What is it you want? I know you want to see rhythms. There's a, a season of rest every so often. What, what other things are a part of your program? Yeah, so when we go into exactly what John is sharing, that we do not battle against flesh and blood, we battle against spiritual powers, and that creates in a relational context a weight that is not able to be duplicated. Uh, when we think about these two areas, I would put them into two spots, organized and organic. Uh, what, are the organi what are the parts of this process that are organized, and which are the parts that are organic? And so when it comes to the organization, uh, there's several elements. Uh, it, it requires high relational accountability. So we, we have within the organized side of things, a monthly dashboard that we do with every employee, every, every relationship that exists within our organization, where we're not just talking about competencies, but also character and life. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we need to have the, those monthlies in addition to the spiritual rhythms of the individual. So we try to have as many places organized within our rhythms so that you can allow room and space for prayer relationship and not simply discussion regarding church metrics competencies and paradigm updates and you know, <laughs> all those typical things that we you know the budgets butts and and yeah. and buildings conversations that we tend to, <laughs> you know the the triple b's and so we 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 need to create organized space so we do that through all staff meetings monthly bi-weekly campus pastor meetings monthly one-on-ones. Uh, we try to go through rhythms where we have season sabbaticals now. We're, we're moving towards every five to seven years, creating space for that. And then even, e even things that happen because of specific seasons. So we're in the midst of this whole COVID pandemic right now. It's been very taxing in a different way. And so we gave all of our staff an additional Sabbath week just to mm -hmm. say we need extra time and space. And so sometimes we're reacting a bit more organically to what is happening. So it's that promotion of organic through the organized. And so if you start with the organized and say, here's what our rhythms are gonna look like from meetings to relationships to ministry, and then allow the relationships to develop and then encourage those cross-pollinating organic relationships to kind of take over, what ends up happening is staff members and brothers and sisters within community start meeting for coffee and going to dinner and meeting with couples and doing all those things that further deepen and enhance the very culture you're trying to create. So you made space then. You, you actually created the space through the organization for what would come naturally after that, which is people actually liking each other and working together. And I, I know people that play together, trust each other, people that trust each other, work better together, you know, assume the best rather than the worst. Conflict resolution goes down. That's brilliant. Well, our, as always, 20 minutes goes faster than you can possibly imagine. And we are at the end of our time, but I don't feel like we're at the end of our discussion. Uh, would you be available to do this again uh, for, for our listeners next week? You got time for another one of these? I'd be happy to. All right. John, I, I, as always, um, these are the things that you're helping people with. Uh, everything that Steve's describing it's funny how there's a cross-pollination of just truth. 
you didn't give them the word rhythm, but that's, that's one of the key words, rest, right. uh, you know, health, emotional health, burnout. These are words we use almost every week on this podcast. So if people were, were wrestling with these issues in their own staff and their own life, how would they go about getting a hold of Converge? The best way, Jim, is through our website, convergecoach.com. And if you hit the contact us button, that starts a, a conversation with us. And we'd love to spend some time just getting to know you and hearing what's going on with you and uh, your organization. Great. And Steve, one last thing for you. You mentioned a book that everybody has to read. Would you mention that again? I couldn't spell the author's last name. Yeah, it's Zach Eswine, E-S-W-I-N-E. And the book is The Imperfect Pastor. Uh, it's Perfect. really all right. for pastors, but really for all. <clears throat> right on. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. We hope you've enjoyed this and we hope to see you again soon as we continue to lead from Alliance.